0: Okay, please open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. And the last time we closed at verse 35. And uh, just before we get to Acts 2, to finish this chapter, just wanted to share a very, uh, couple of few points with you, just a couple of very important points. First of all, Acts does very much uh, feel to me like a fifth gospel. I think the more you read Acts, the more you come, a, come away with that impression that most of the content here is aimed at the Jews under the law. Also we saw from verse 31 how the Lord Jesus Christ had been resurrected and by resurrecting him God Almighty has received him and therefore he is happy with his atonements, his voluntary substitutionary atonements and please keep in mind that the Lord Jesus Christ volunteered to come to the earth and die for our sins. He wasn't coerced to do so, he came voluntarily to die for our sins and by our faith in him and on him we are saved. Also from last time I said that, uh, every part of the Word of God has three aspects to it. Historical, doctrinal and eschatological. And most of Acts of the Apostles is going to be taught from, my perspective anyway, from an historical perspective. So please keep these points in mind. Uh, Oh yeah, also from verse 23, it spoke about how Christ was delivered by the determinate council. ...and foreknowledge of God... ...this goes back to the Lord's sovereignty... ...and God Almighty is sovereign of course... ...but at the same time man has a free will... ...how these two run parallel is beyond us... ...but the word of God makes it very clear... ...how God does hold man accountable for his actions... ...while at the same time God does all that he chooses to do... ...so although Christ came to die for our sins... ...although it was predetermined by the determinate counsel... ...and foreknowledge of God... Acts 2, 23, 24, going into 25, 26, and so forth, that doesn't uh, negate man's responsibility for their actions. And that's why the context so far from Acts 2 has been in reference to the Jews being corporately responsible for the Messiah's death. And I showed you from verse 24 last time how even the foreign Jews are held responsible. People might say, that sounds a bit unfair. Well, please keep this in mind that the foreign Jews found in 24... And also from verses 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 and 11 would have been in Jerusalem during the Passover. So they were were very much aware of what was going on. They weren't uh, oblivious. They weren't uh, ignorant of what was going on. Hence why Peter, as a Jew, stands up on the Jewish day of Pentecost and holds them accountable for their actions. So just a couple of points to share with you all before we get into Acts 2 and hopefully conclude Acts chapter 2. Let's start, if you may, today in verse 36. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Let all the house of Israel, there's no Gentiles present, know assuredly, without any doubt, that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye, all of you, have crucified, both Lord and Christ. To make him Lord in Christ goes back to Matthew 28, how the Lord Jesus Christ has all power and authority given to him on earth and in heaven. To make him Christ means he is the Messiah, he is the anointed one, he is our saviour. But he was always the Lord, he was always God, but at a time of his choosing the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So as I say, by receiving his sacrifice, he has been made Lord in Christ, he has been received in the heavenlies. But I can't get away from the fact that, let all the house of Israel know assuredly, How God has made him Lord and Christ, whom you have crucified. This goes back to what I said at the beginning of this message how the Jews are being held corporally responsible for the death of their Messiah. But you can be very careful when you deal with this subject that you don't fall into anti Semitism, that you don't turn around and become a Jew hater. We were told to love the Jews, we were told from the book of Romans how we are to make the Jews jealous of our salvation, of our love for the Lord God of the Bible. And yet, at the same time, they are enemies because they are very much at enmity with God. They are also ignorant of what God is doing. So for here and now, we, the church, are God's people. But once the rapture has been, Revelation 4, God turns back to Israel and works with them to bring to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But verses 36 is really going to deal with the Jews' corporate guilt. And I keep saying this because a lot of people are going to quote Acts 2.38 and teach it as a plan of salvation for today, which is hugely problematic, but i get to that shortly. Verse 37, please. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do in reference to our guilt, in reference to crucifying the Jewish Messiah? What shall we do? How can we make amends for what we have done? 38. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is such a controversial passage. Peter says unto them, the people of Israel, repent, change your mind, show remorse, show contrition in reference to crucifying the Messiah, not in reference to turning from your sins in order to be saved and he goes on to say and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I will spiritualize this uh, before we conclude this message, but before I spiritualize it, let me just deal with this in an historical uh, manner. Peter says to the people of Israel, You need to repent because you are guilty of crucifying your Messiah. You need to be baptized, which means you need to be identified with us, the believing Jewish remnant, in the name or with the authority of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, for the forgiveness of sins, and ye, all of you, shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost, for this dispensation, is eternal life. But for the Jews, they're going to receive two things from this. First of all, they're going to receive salvation, which does come to them. And on top of that, they're going to receive the Jewish apostolic sign gifts. Verse 39. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many... As the Lord our God shall call. This is very much progressive revelation. Because we discover in Acts 5. How God has granted repentance to the Jews. And also from Acts 11. How he has granted repentance to the Gentiles. But I want to go through this one more time. Just to underscore that. This is very much an historical passage. And if you teach us doctrinally. Today you are on very shaky ground. 37. What shall we do? They are pricked in their heart. They are convicted. And Peter says you've got to be baptised, you've got to repent for the remission of sins because you have crucified your Messiah. There's no more sacrifice for sins. And if you sin willfully after you have received the knowledge of the truth, Hebrews 3, 6 and 10, that's it. There's no further atonement for you but a fiery feeling of indignation which shall devour the adversary's so and so forth. Verse 40, and with many other words did he testify and exhort saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Here you find the emphasis on the recipients to save themselves from this wicked generation. But we know we can't save ourselves from sin. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So the context here is still very much in reference to save yourself from this wicked generation. Save yourself from this untoward generation. Save yourself from this unbelieving generation. Save yourself from this apostate generation. First John chapter 2. They went out from us because they were not of us. John 6, 6, 6, many of his disciples, or Jews, walked with him no more. But I will spiritualize these passages before I sign out. Verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptised, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Those that gladly received his word, free will, were baptised, probably with total immersion, and the same day they were added unto them, the early church, about 3,000 souls. can't be dogmatic this is very much in line with Dr. Luke's writing. He wrote the Gospel of Luke. And he, he speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ being about 30 years of age when his ministry began. 42. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And in breaking of bread and in prayers. Why? Well, there was no New Testament as of yet. The apostles were the true messengers of the Lord. And therefore they are going to be very much aligned to the apostles. And please note, they are still in Jerusalem. There are no Gentiles present. This is still very much a Jewish church, which goes back to what I said at the beginning of this message how I think, or I feel my inclination is when I read Acts of the Apostles, how this is very much like a fifth gospel. This is so Jewish. Yes, there's grace here, and you have to read it very carefully to find the grace, but so far this is almost like a works based system, but not works in the sense of working to be saved, working in the sense of publicly having to do something to be publicly aligned with the early Jewish church. 43. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. This is a godly fear. This is a good fear. And scripture says how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I think we should fear God. I think those of us which teach the word of God, those of us which street preach, those of us which are street evangelists, should fear the Lord. And I don't just mean a reverential fear. I think a fear in the sense of quaking. I think those of us which read the word of God, which preach it and teach it, so on and so forth, should fear the Lord because He is holy. He is just and. The book of James says how we, teachers, are going to be held to a much higher standard than those that haven't been gifted or called to teach. Verse 44, And all that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. Karl Marx was very much uh, in favour of this piece of scripture. and Karl Marx was an unsaved Jew. He was very much caught up with the Illuminati and dubious groups and he said well there you are you see pull what you have and give what you have to the brethren that no one goes without but this is voluntary this is not something which you find in the Pauline epistles and on top of that you were told also from second Thessalonians that if you didn't work you wouldn't eat so don't take this as a reference to welfare this is more in reference to the early church coming together selling all their possessions pulling what they had To make sure that nobody went without because to be a saved Jew in the first century meant the loss of everything. Very much like you find in Palestine today if you are a saved Muslim or if you are are a former Muslim that has been born again you know what it's like. You are very much under the kosh when it comes to Hezbollah, uh, Hamas and some of the other terrorist groups and there are even parts of Israel where there are saved Jews that are very much up against it and are struggling and I made the comments when I went through 1 Corinthians 16, how there was a great uh, death in Israel. And you've got saved Gentiles sending money to poor Jews. So when you hear people say, well, the Jews control the world. Well, even, even if they did, it doesn't make any difference. Because here, the Jewish believers were saved. But they were poor. They were ostracized. And they were very much in need of support so on and so forth uh, to keep these points in mind if you will because there is a great disinformation going on when it comes to israel and how the church is to deal with israel and how the saved jew and saved gentile are to work in harmony when it comes to saving the jews or reaching out to israel as a nation but i just want to make these points because unfortunately people have taken these verses over the years and twisted them and taught socialism like Karl marx And even Hitler was very quick to quote uh, Matthew's Gospel where it says, let his blood be on us and on our children in reference to hating the Jews. And of course he taught fascism and uh, he simply went back to what the Catholic Church had always done persecute the Jews. And yes, even Martin Luther, much to his shame never really got away from his hatred of uh, the Jews simply because he'd been raised in a Catholic system. And that's why it's imperative to go back to the Word of God to find everything. And I've said before, and I'll say it again before I move on, that's the reformers did many good things. They rediscovered justification by faith and they rediscovered sola fide or sola scriptura, the word of God, scripture alone. But they were still unfortunately caught up with many Catholic practices and heresies so on and so forth. And that's why you were told to study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that need not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. Study, study, study. But let's move on please. Verse 46 And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. They're still in the temple, 46. They're breaking bread from house to house. That doesn't happen anymore. They're eating their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They're content. They're praising God and having favour with all the people. And the last part of 47 And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Like I say, that Acts 2 is very much Jewish in the sense that the focus is on Jerusalem. The focus is on getting the word of God out to the people of Israel. And had it not been for Paul coming along Acts 9, this early Jewish movement would have stayed in Jerusalem. And no doubt God would have forced them out, like he did with the people back in the Tower of Babel. Genesis 11, to spread the word, go out into your communities and preach the word. And I showed you from chapter 2 how the Jewish apostles are speaking in tongues. And this is noise abroad. And they go out of the upper room and they are standing in the streets preaching in other languages. They are preaching the the wonderful works of God. And about 12 groups of people can hear this. They are rejoicing in this. And they are saying, what's going on? These men are from Galilee. They're not from our parts of the world. How is it possible that they are speaking in our own languages? And that's tongues in a nutshell and known language but you can't miss it. These verses are very much focusing on Jerusalem. These verses are very much focusing on being aligned to the Jewish Messiah. That is how you would deal with these verses from an historical point of view. Let me deal with this now from a spiritual point of view. Repentance, verse 38, is not necessarily for being sorry for what you've done, but repentance is for being sorry for who you are. So repentance Isn't just being sorry for what you've done, but repentance is being sorry for what you are, and for who you are. So verse 38, if I was to teach this today, doctrinally, which I wouldn't, but if I was to teach it in a spiritual sense, this is how I would do it. Acts 2.38, then Peter said unto them, unsaved men and women all over the world, repent, change your mind, and be baptised by total immersion, every one of you without exception, in the name, with the authority of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, for the forgiveness of sins, and ye, all of you that believe, shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But nobody that I know was ever baptised in the name singular of Jesus Christ. I was baptised in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Matthew 28. 39. For the promise is unto you the recipient, could be Jew or Gentile, and to your children, if they would believe, and to all that are far off, could be in your town, your city, your country, or abroad, it doesn't make any difference, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The Lord our God? The Lord our God in reference to the Jews. The Lord wasn't the God of the Gentiles, he wasn't the Lord of the Romans, or the Greeks, he was the Lord of the Jews. Even as many as the Lord our God Shall call. You can't miss it, can you? This is still in reference to Israel. But Let's move on. And with many other words, did he testify? A very legal term, testify. I testify to you in court. I testify to this and that. And exhorts, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Repent, save yourselves from your sins. 150,000 people die every day. That's 8,000 an hour. Repent, save yourselves from sin. Save yourselves from the judgments of God. Save yourselves from this untoward generation. So you can spiritualize these verses, which is what I'm doing now, but if you do this, be very careful because the sign gifts are going to follow, and the sign gifts are for Israel. On top of that, verse 41 Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Those that have appropriated the atonement were baptized. Total immersion again. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. This was a one off event. What you are reading here in Acts chapter 2 Never happened again This is around 30 AD 31, 32, 34, 35 AD so on and so forth This never happened again This was a one off event And they continued steadfastly In the apostles doctrine and fellowship And in breaking of bread and in prayers We have no apostles today We break bread, we do it once a week We don't do it every day So be careful with 42 And fear, 43 came upon every soul You could spiritualize that and teach that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, which I've already said. But many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. There's no wonders and signs done today. There's a counterfeit system of signs and wonders. But there were no apostles. And like I said last time, an apostle could be a disciple, but a disciple could not be an apostle. A disciple is someone who follows Christ. I am a disciple, but I'm not an apostle. And yet sometimes the apostles were called disciples. But here an apostle is someone who was sent, and here an apostle was someone who was an eyewitness. 44, and all that believed, faith alone, were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. If you were to teach this doctrinally today, who would you give all your money and goods to? The Catholic Church, if you're a Catholic, they got more than you could ever imagine. The Anglicans, they own half of the UK. The Methodists, they own lots of property. Presbyterians, the Salvation Army, come on be sensible, if you take these verses literally, if you teach these verses in a doctrinal sense today, you're going to fall into all sorts of problems, and like I say Karl Marx will come along, say, there you are, you see people sell your goods, pull all your resources and give support to your fellow man, that's socialism that's not found in the word of God And like I said also from Thessalonians if you don't work, you don't eat, but if you can't work, but want to work that's a different situation altogether, but if you can work and won't work then you shouldn't eat, so on and so forth. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple. There's no temple today. And breaking bread from house to house. There's no one breaking bread every day of the week. In the sense of giving all your money, pulling all your resources, 44, 45. And they eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favour with all the people. What people? The Jewish people? What church would you be identifying yourself with here? The early church with Jewish believers. The early church was not Catholic, the early church was not Protestant, the early church was not Greek or Russian Orthodox. The early church were Jewish Messianic believers. There were no Catholics from the early church. There were no Catholics in the early church. There were no Anglicans in the early church. They are all Jewish believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Let me try and explain this if I may in the last few moments I've got when it comes to the atonement, and I'll spiritualize this one more time how God has provided. An atonement for the sins of the world. But you have to personally appropriate that atonement. In other words, if I put 20 pounds in your accounts, and I said to you there's 20 pounds in your bank account, and you said to me, thank you very much, James, and did nothing about it, that 20 pounds is not gonna benefit you. But if you said to me, thank you, James, I'm gonna go down to my bank today and withdraw it, then it's benefited you. And that's what you do with the atonement. When we finish this service, we are going to the streets, we will give out tracts, we will preach to people, And if those people come to the cross, if those people believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, they have personally appropriated the atonement. But if they don't come to the cross, if they don't personally appropriate the atonement, they won't be saved. Save yourselves from this untoward generation, verse 40. Save yourselves from sin and damnation. Save yourselves from your sin. Save yourselves from God. Ultimately, you need to be saved from God. Because God Almighty is going to pour out his wrath on mankind at a time of his choosing. So 47 verses... From Acts chapter 2. And like I said this would be uh, a completion of Acts chapter 2. And please be very careful when you read these verses. Not to read into the text something which is not there. And verse 36. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly. That God hath made that same Jesus. Whom ye have crucified. Both Lord and Christ. He's already God at the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. To make him Lord means to affirm his deity and Christ, Messiah, Christos, anointing in reference to his Messiah now when they heard this, 37 they were pricked in their heart, they were convicted and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles men and brethren, what shall we do? there's three things that happen when a man hears the gospel preached they become glad, they become sad or they become mad you're either glad, you're either sad or you are either mad and I've witnessed this for 13 years on the streets and I guess a fourth category should be apathy if you live in the UK but if you preach the word of God faithfully if you preach the word of God correctly if you convict man of his sin if you convict him of his wickedness if you convict man of his ungodliness he will be pricked in his heart he will be convicted and then he wants to turn to God in faith this is what repentance is repentance is not turning from all of your sins to then be saved because how would you know if you turned from all of your sins to be saved I mean some people say you've got to turn from all of your sins to be saved how would you measure that Let's say you oversleep or you undersleep, but you can't stop undersleeping or oversleeping. Does that stop you from being saved? Of course not. Let's say you undereat or you overeat and you can't stop undereating or overeating. Does that stop you from being saved? Of course it doesn't. Salvation is a free gift. Then Peter said unto them, the people of Israel, repent, acknowledge you've done wrong, accept you are guilty of the death of the Jewish Messiah and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Be identified with him. This is going to cost you something now. To be identified with him, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, forgiveness, for crucifying the Messiah, and eternal life. So you can see this from a historical aspect and from a spiritual aspect. For the promise of forgiveness, thirty-nine is unto you, the initial recipients being the Jews, and to your children if they believe. There's no infant baptism here. They have to be old enough to understand they are sinners. And they have to be old enough to know that they need to be saved. And to all that are far off, probably Jew and Gentile, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. But like I say, Acts 5 shows that the Jews were given repentance. And Acts 11 was shown how the Gentiles were given repentance as well. This also goes back to progressive revelation, as I keep saying, because it's important that here Peter doesn't have the full counsel of God. Here Peter doesn't have the gospel of the grace of God yet revealed to him. And here there's no clear blood atonement. ...of the Lord Jesus Christ either. Hence why Paul was called to preach the gospel... ...very clearly from Acts 9 onwards. 40. And with many other words did he testify and exhort... ...saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. That's no problem. Uh, Historically we can leave it as it is... ...because it's happened and spiritually we can... ...cite this in reference to... ...pleading for mankind to repent... ...to change their mind, to go from... ...lack of faith to faith, to go from disbelief... ...to belief, to turn from themselves... Self worship to the worship of the one true God to be saved, and they that gladly received his word were baptized. Those are the people that personally appropriated the atonement, were baptized, and by being baptized, they've been personally identified with the Jewish Messiah. 43 down to 47 Great fear comes upon every soul, you can imagine it. Signs and wonders being performed left, right, and center, and also that would uh, probably rule out people wanting to be identified with this early group of believers uh, just for the sake of being part of a movement. God is holy, the early church were holy, and that's why you find in Acts 5 how two people are put to death for lying to the Holy Spirit. Don't fall into the trap, 44, 45, 46, of socialism, communism, of selling all that you have and giving to one another, because the leaders of the Catholic Church won't sell what they have and give to you, and the leaders of the Church of England won't sell what they have and give to you, and the leaders of the Presbyterians and Methodists, so on and so forth, won't sell what they have and give to you. But the early church could do it because the early church were pure, the early church were led by The apostles who weren't sinless of course. But they certainly weren't uh, flawed as many of today's leaders are. And therefore they did so to make sure nobody went without. And 47 one final time they were praising God. And having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Those that appropriate the atonements are added to the church. And those are the ones that are going to be born again. But you have to personally appropriate the atonements. You have to personally believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to personally receive the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved. So that will conclude my look at Acts 2 from a historical perspective, from a spiritual perspective, uh, not eschatological perspective. That was done last time. But next up, I will look at Acts chapter 3.